Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. So it was like a really old boat, like 40 years old. When you saw it, you had the feeling that this thing uh, might fall apart very soon. And of course, crossing the Sea of Bengal is quite a journey that's a few thousand miles. And it's far away from shore. So normally, I've been on sailing trips before. Normally, you always stay close to the shore. And then maybe you're away for like two or three hours from the shore. But if you look on the maps, the Sea of Bengal is pretty big. So if something happens, there's nobody around there to help you. And we ran out of fuel. Today's most interesting location-independent entrepreneurs and world travelers. And learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey everybody, it's Matt Bowles. Welcome to the Maverick Show. My guest today is Matthias Seitler. He is a location-independent entrepreneur with a passion for community and ecosystem development. Originally from Munich, Germany, he is now a full-time digital nomad and has been to over 100 countries. He is currently helping to grow Bonsko, Bulgaria into one of the premier destinations for digital nomads. He founded Coworking Bonsko in 2016, and he is now constructing Co-Living Bonsko, a 42-unit purpose-built co-living space together with investors from the community. He regularly speaks and mentors at various tech and co-working and startup events around the world. He is also the organizer of Bonsco Nomad Fest, an annual week-long celebration of the location-independent lifestyle, where I will be a featured speaker later this year. Matthias, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt, for having me. I am so excited to have you here, man. You and I have known each other for like four years now, and so I'm super excited to finally get you on the podcast and have this conversation. But let's just start off setting the scene, talking about where we are recording this today in good nomad fashion. We are both in totally different continents, totally different time zones. I am actually in the city of Cali in Colombia, and where are you today? Excellent. I'm in Bansko, of course. It's a small rural Bulgarian mountain resort, but it's a pretty cool place. There's a lot of nature around here. 
It's a very cool place. I went there for the first time in 2019. It was in the winter time though, which is also very cool because it's a bit of a ski town, but I am super excited to come back there in the summer and see you and everybody else at Nomad Fest this summer. But I want to start off here just talking a little bit about your background, just to give folks some context on you. Can you talk a little bit about where you were born and raised and as you were growing up? How did your interest in travel initially start to develop? Yeah, so I'm from Munich in Germany. I studied in Salzburg in Austria. And then the first job I took was in the localization industry where we deal with translating languages. I was responsible for technology there. And this got me into travel. So I had to spend a lot of time with different customers that we had around the world. I came to a lot of trade shows. So I was always traveling. But it took me a while before I became a nomad. So back then, I was basically having a job in a career at a large multinational company. And then at some point, I started to build my own business. And even though I had some people in the office, I realized pretty quickly that I can actually work from wherever there's a computer. And so this is how I became an accidental nomad and then used this freedom to travel more and more and explore the world. Can you talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and how you transitioned from that more traditional corporate lifestyle into becoming a location-independent entrepreneur? Yeah, so I was working in a large multinational that was dealing with translation services, and I saw a need for multilingual search engine optimization, which was kind of related to what I did at my job, but something that the company didn't offer. So I decided to start my own business and to develop some software for people that have multilingual websites. I managed to get into an incubator in Salzburg in Austria that provided some initial funding, then raised some more money to develop MVP, a minimal viable product, to develop the first prototype, to find the first customers for what I was building. So the, the business was growing. And I felt I had to supervise employees. I mean, of course, this is a long time before remote work was really a big thing. So I had an office and I thought I'm more important if I have more people that I can see in the office and uh, we are growing desks and this is growing importance. But then somehow I ran into some people that had a totally different view on how to do business and how to live their life. They were basically homeless that just had like a backpack and traveled the world with a computer. So I tried this out for a little bit. And for me, this worked very well because my development team was always offshore. So I had a few guys in India, a few guys in the Philippines. So they were not really in my office. And I realized if part of my team is not in the office, why do I have to be at a specific location? And so this started my nomad journey. And I was super happy to, to experience this freedom. And how did you structure your lifestyle initially? And then as the years went on, how did that sort of evolve in terms of your nomad lifestyle design? So when I first started, I had a base in Salzburg and I always traveled for about one month and then returned to Salzburg to basically do my laundry and do my accounting. And after <laughs> a few years of doing this, I really became fed up with this because you always return home to do all the unpleasant things. So I decided this is not the right thing for me. And I was looking for a different base. 
where, um, uh, first of all, they take advantage of a lower tax structure. So Salzburg is beautiful, but taxation is about 60%. And then if you don't use the infrastructure in everything that you pay with your taxes for, it really becomes annoying. So I was looking around to find a different place for myself. Also, where, like, it doesn't really hurt that you have an apartment in a place that you don't use and pay a lot of money for. And this is how I discovered Bulgaria. I love that, man. That is awesome. Well, you have had a number of incredible travel adventures along the way, a hundred countries. We're not going to be able to go through them all, but I do want to ask you about a couple of them. You have done the rickshaw run in India. For people that have never heard of this, just explain what it is in general. And then can you share what your experience was like? Of course. I mean, after traveling a lot and exploring a lot of different countries, I changed my travel style to really seek out specific adventures. And one of these adventures that I always wanted to do is a rickshaw rally. So basically, it's about 40 different tuk-tuks, rickshaws, like these uh, motorbikes, tricycles, that a company there is bringing together called the Travel Scientists. And they organize a rally that spans about two weeks where you ride these rickshaws across India. And it starts in a, in a big city. So I started in Chennai. I don't know how many million Indians live there, but there were millions of cars. And you have this little tuk-tuk. So initially, it's super scary to go into Indian traffic. It's totally unlike traffic in Munich. But after about two weeks of exploring all the backcountry roads and uh, seeing everything that's there, you actually got quite comfortable in these little tricycles. So it was a great way for me to really see India, like the rural India, that you pass like all the little restaurants on the side of the street where you eat from the banana leaves. All the towns that we passed, they didn't have like big chain hotels. So we always stayed in smaller guest houses. And there were people from all around the world in these 40 riches around you. And we always met up on, on different stops on the road, like if it was a temple or anything other side to see. One day we went up the, a mountain road and I think the rickshaw, I'm a bigger guy. So my rickshaw was definitely underpowered for going uphill. And then if you go downhill, I don't know if the brakes on these things work. It is an adventure. And I really enjoyed it because it gets you out of your comfort zone. You can really see a different lifestyle. And driving a vehicle like this also like puts your driving skills to the limits. That's amazing. Well, one of the other things that you have done in that same part of the world is you took a catamaran out into the Sea of Bengal. Can you talk about that experience? I guess the context for it, what were you attempting to do? And then how was the experience? How did it go? Yeah, this is also an interesting story. So I saw a guy posting on Facebook that uh, he's looking for people that sail for, with him from the Maldives to Thailand. And he's looking for people that can join this trip, like, basically next week. So I was, okay, this sounds interesting. What they wanted to do, there was, like, two guys from Germany that wanted to build a co-working space on a boat called Coboat. And this initial trip that I went on with them was basically to get the catamaran, buy the catamaran, and then bring it to the dock in Thailand where they wanted to do this transformation. So it was like a, a really old boat, like 40 years old. When you saw it, you had the feeling that this thing uh, might fall apart very soon. And of course, crossing the Sea of Bengal is quite a journey that's a few thousand miles. It took us 18 days to actually cross it. 
and it's far away from shore. So normally I've been on sailing trips before. Normally you always stay close to the shore and then maybe you're away for like two or three hours from the shore. But if you look at the maps, the Sea of Bengal is pretty big. So if something happens, there's nobody around there to help you. I don't even think that you can have a helicopter to the next country because it's just far out. So we went on this catamaran trip and after a while, the captain thought we need a little bit more excitement because if you sail for like days and days and there's only blue water around you, it can get a little bit boring. So we decided, okay, let's see if a, if a rope can pull us behind this catamaran. And the first thing, the captain jumps in and he holds onto the rope and everything is great. And I'm like, okay, this seems easy. I should do this. So I jump in the water. I hold onto the rope. But what I didn't realize, if you do this, you have to be on your back. So if you are facing forward, then obviously the rope will pull you underwater. You're not getting any air. Uh, Cutterman is moving pretty fast. So I had to let go of the rope. So basically it tore it out of my hands. And then... To turn a catamaran around is also like a pretty big thing. So it's not like a car where you just turn left and it's turning around. So they had to stop the sails and then move it around. And of course, I could see the catamaran at all times because it was pretty big. But the guys on the catamaran couldn't see me at all. And they were pretty scared that they lost one of their friends now on the water. So this was uh, my first experience as a man overboard. I don't recommend it, but everyone survived it. There were lots of good emotion when I was finally back on board. There were many other fun things going on on this trip. So we ran out of fuel. So we had to get more fuel. We saw a small island. We didn't want to deal with like all the paperwork. So we decided let's just sail into this island and see if somebody is selling us some fuel. What we didn't realize, it was a big Indian holiday and it was a military base and they were on high alert. And we didn't have any power left, so we kind of sailed without lights into their base. Uh, and they were not very happy, these Indian military people. <laughs> so there were like many, many of these adventures. And I think what I have learned is often you just have to say yes to opportunities that present. So you don't necessarily know how it's going to end, but there's always going to be some fun. And I think this is what happens if you go on sailing trips or if you go on a rickshaw rally or, or similar adventures. What impact would you say that all of these travel experiences and all of these adventures have had on you over the years? When you think back to when you were just kind of starting out to now having experienced all this kind of stuff, what impact has that had on you as a person? I think it makes you more calm, right? So if you experience a lot of different cultures, a lot of different activities, and you see in the end, it always turns out right. It gives you a different perspective in life. You're less stressed about things. You're more calm, I think, in times of danger or risk. Maybe you think first. Also, I love scuba diving, for example. And it's also an environment where you don't want to make a lot of mistakes, right? And I think being calm and just collected, focused, I think this helps you. And if you put yourself into different situations when you travel, this trains you basically to be a little bit more relaxed when it comes to life. I love that, man. All right. I want to talk a little bit about Bonsco now. Let's just go all the way back. What is sort of your origin with basically falling in love with the city of Bonsco and then being really committed to building in the city of Bonsco in the way that you are right now? Can you take us sort of to the beginning about how that actually came about and just talk about what you love about Bonsco? Yeah. So, when I still had my base in Salzburg, I was uh, working in a co-working space there, co-working Salzburg, which is still for me a role model how a community-operated space should be. And with a few guys there, we discovered that in the winter, 
German retirees go to Turkey because it's cheaper for them and it's warmer to stay like in a five-star all-inclusive hotel than to stay at home. So we were thinking, maybe these old people are onto something. And this created an opportunity for us to also go to a five-star all-inclusive hotel uh, in winter. So we set up like a temporary co-working space there for six weeks, enjoyed the area. And I organized this for three or four years. And then... At some point, I decided, okay, if I can do a pop-up co-working space where I go to a cool place, maybe I should consider a more permanent solution. And I talked to some of the guys from this project, and I also ran into my co-founder, Uwe, and we all had kind of the same ideas. So I was consciously looking around, is there a place around the world where I want to be based? And a friend of mine mentioned Bulgaria is a good option because it's in the EU, so there's no visa runs for Europeans. It's a Mediterranean climate, it has mountains, and most important, it has a 10% flat income tax. So for me, this was, okay, maybe this is a place I should check out. So with a few friends, we came for exploration tour to Bansko about six years ago in the summer. So we rented a house together to see, is this a place that could work year-round? So Bansko is very famous as a ski resort, but if you're in a seasonal place, then what do you do in the off-season? We came specifically in the summer to see what's happening here in the summer. And wow, there were many, many things happening. So the town is putting on a lot of festivals during the summer season, including a jazz festival, an opera festival, a film festival, to create this idea of an all-season resort. Plus, of course, there's a lot of nature. There was like mountain biking, there was hiking, there are hot springs. It's very close to Greece, so like in two hours you can be on the beach. There's many things to do here. And we just loved it. And I looked at Uwe and Uwe looked at me and we said, okay, let's, let's do something here. We ran into our first operations manager. She was totally excited about the idea of having a, a co-working space in Bansko to attract some interesting people. And we rented a small place and just decided to start. Of course, when we started, we didn't really imagine this would become one of the most attractive nomad destinations in Europe. We were more like, we need to have a small place where we can work and a shelf where we can put some board games. And then we will invite some of our nomadic friends that we're not too lonely, surrounded by like all these uh, tourist industry businesses here. And this worked great. So in the first year, a few of our friends came. We played a lot of board games. We explored the area. But then what we didn't account for is that our friends really liked it so much that they told their friends. So the next year, a lot of more people showed up. And it basically was growing from there. And at some point, Uwe and I, we realized that this is no longer just like the 10 friends that we know, but this is growing more and more into a business as people moving to Bansko. So I think in the meantime, we had about 40 people that bought apartments here. We have a lot of people that moved their residency here to take advantage of the taxation. We have even the first Bansko babies, where people in our community are now growing the next generation of co-workers. So it really turned into something bigger and something that attracts way more people than just me and Uwe. And I think then we, we decided, okay, if it's more people and if it's bigger and if it needs to become a more professional business and that we really have impact on people's lives where they invest money to buy apartments or move their companies here, let's turn this into something really big. Well, I have been to Coworking Bonsco. It is a spectacular space. And I think one of the things, too, that's really important to point out in terms of why so many nomads are being attracted to Bonsco is the quality of life to cost of living ratio. It is remarkably 
affordable <laughs> to live or spend time in Bonsko compared with, for example, other places in Western Europe or things like that. And the quality of life is spectacular. And so it's really, I think, this hidden gem in that the quality of life to cost of living ratio is just incredibly optimized there. Yeah, so I think affordability is very important. And it's not only the fact that it's affordable, but this affordability means that when you meet people in our community, there's basically no limits on what you can do. So most people here eat out every day. We never think about, can I afford to, to join an activity? Like if you go rafting or if we go hiking or if you go on a trip to Greece, money is never an issue. And this means that the community can really enjoy a lot of things together. So you never have someone who is worrying, okay, if I go out for cocktails tonight, can I drink three or four cocktails? Money is never an issue. And I think this is super important in the community. I want to take just one minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting The Maverick Show, I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group, a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets from anywhere. So these are single family homes, sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, that physical house, the hard asset, without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I want to offer you a free consultation if that sounds interesting to you. To learn more about it, you can just go to themaverickshow.com slash consult. And now, back to the episode. Is it also to put everyone on equal footing here? Can you talk a little bit about how you have built and scaled the co-working space and also built community year-round around the co-working space and how that has all evolved? Yeah, so I think our secret is that actually the community is building most of the things that we do here. So for me, it was always important to involve other people. So we collected a lot of feedback initially from members, what they want, and we are building what they want. But they also use the co-working space in the community as a platform for all the things that they want to do. So we have people that put on their own events. We have a lot of people that help with organization or representation of the co-working space. We give people the opportunity at Nomad Fest to, to get us on a stage, especially for people that are not professional speakers and that rarely go to events. It's a, it's a really cool experience to be on a big stage where you have a few hundred people auditorium. It gives you a lot of confidence. And this is, I think, what the magic of Bansko is. It's not so much what Matthias wants to make, but it's really what do our 100 members want to make. And then often I listen and I see how we can we integrate everyone into what's happening here so that they also have a feeling of ownership. That's awesome. Can you talk a little bit about the co-living space that you are currently building and what the vision is for that? Yeah, I mean, this is a super good question as a follow-up. So when I say I want people to have ownership, we tried a few times to give people ownership in the co-working space by transforming the co-working space into a co-op where people would own shares in the co-working business. But for many, many reasons, this has failed, even though I think it's a great idea. The issue with this is people don't really see investing into co-working bond school as an investment because the margins are pretty low. I run this more of a, as a hobby. So you're not going to get rich by investing into the co-working space. Plus, 
if you have one or two percent of the co-working space, because we have a lot of owners in the community, then also you won't have a lot of impact on the business decisions. And so um, this was difficult. And we came up with another idea. So a lot of people that come to Bansko, they're always looking for accommodation. And one thing that's lacking in Bansko is a little bit more premium accommodation. There's lots of apartments, but because they're super cheap, it also means that the furniture is old. The kitchen has doesn't have an oven or a dishwasher. The heating system costs a lot of money because there's no insulation. So there's a lack of a little bit more premium apartment, not necessarily super luxury apartments, but just a higher standard. So I decided that maybe we should build a co-living space where people can rent accommodation in the same building where we have the co-working community. And a great way to get the community to own part of this is to offer apartments in the co-living space as an investment. Because everyone understands real estate. If you buy an apartment, you own an apartment. You have the details apartment, you get the rental. If you rent it out, you can sell it if you sell it. So it, it simplifies a lot of things around ownership to own an apartment instead of owning a percentage of a business where you don't have a lot of impact. So we found a, a building here that is suitable as a co-living space. It's about 42 units. It has 700 square meters of communal area that we will operate as co-living space and co-working space, meaning there will be a kitchen, there will be meeting rooms, there will be activity rooms. There will be a small restaurant area where we can invite a commercial chef from time to time. There will be a large open work area, an outdoor area, little private offices. So basically, it does everything what I wanted to do. And I think it does everything what we need to grow the community to the next level. When do you expect that it might be operational? So we have collected the commitments from the first buyers for apartments. We are in the contracting with a building company. And the plan is to complete the building by May next year. So it will take about 12 months, which I think is great because this means a summer opening next year. Amazing. That's so awesome. Well, I am on my way to Bonsco this summer to speak at your Bonsco Nomad Fest. And I want to talk a little bit about that. Maybe let's just start back a little bit, though, with the origin of Bonsco Nomad Fest. How did you initially come upon the idea and decide to do it? When did it start and how has it evolved since? So the idea for Bansko Nomad Fest is that Bansko is a little bit away from the beaten parts for travelers. So you have to come here to come to the co-working space. You have to travel here, right? And you don't know, are you going to like it? And you have to stay maybe for months. And then if you don't like it in this small, weird place, then what do you do? So the idea for Nomad Fest is to take this fear of people and instead of asking them to commit to a month in Bansko, come to an event. Because a lot of people understand you go to an event, something is happening, you can leave. So what we do with Bansko Nomad Fest is we compress everything that we normally do in Bansko, like having skillshares and presentations and keynotes and doing a lot of mountain activities and connecting people and exploring all the restaurants and just having fun in the mountains. We compress all of this into one week as Bansko Nomad Fest. And this makes it easier for people to first explore Bansko. Yeah, I'm on the website right now. And the way that it describes it on the website is a celebration of the location-independent lifestyle and nomad mindset. For one week, hundreds of nomads, remote workers, and freelancers will take over a beautiful village in Bulgaria for an amazing mix of presentations, workshops, sports, mindfulness, and nature. 
Can you talk a little bit about how the past festivals have gone, what people can expect when they attend Bonsco Nomad Fest? What is it like to be there? Basically how we structure it. In the mornings, we always have keynotes from different people from the nomad scene. So we have some successful entrepreneurs. We have some entrepreneurs that are just starting out. We have some people that talk about mindfulness and wellness. We have some lifestyle people. We have some members from our community. So it's really a broad mix of who is in the nomad industry. And on the one hand, it should inspire people that are not nomadic to become nomadic. But it should also help people that are already nomadic to up-level and see where they want to grow and what they want to do. And then in the afternoons, we have different things going on. On the one hand, we give every participant a stage. So we run an unconference format where people that are not speakers can still pitch a session and connect with like-minded people, share their passions and skills. Also, there's a lot of activities happening in the afternoons, like, for example, rafting, horseback riding, going on quads, hiking, mountain biking, wine tasting. So basically everything that you can do here in Banscombe, we do in the afternoons. And then in the evenings, it's always like party time. There's a karaoke, we have some quiz nights, we have people playing werewolves, we have music and DJs, we go to the hot springs together for pool party. So the evenings always then to, to socialize. In the past, we always had nomad soulmates here, for example. So we also tried to give people a soulmate. Uh, the last two years, these were physical dating events. This year, they're launching an app. So everyone at Bansko Nomad Festival gets a new Nomad Soulmate app. And then they can connect here in Bansko, but also use these connections when they travel worldwide to, to hook up these people again. That's so awesome. Well, I am just looking at the powerhouse list of speakers that are going to be at the Nomad Fest speaking this year. I'm super honored to be uh, on the same stage as a lot of these people, but I want to just rattle off some names here because Maverick Show listeners will know a lot of these people because I have interviewed them on the Maverick Show. So these people are speaking there in person this year and have also been on the Maverick Show. Chris Reynolds is going to be there. Sergio Sala is going to be there. Adi Cohen is going to be there. Nora Dunn is going to be there. Jordan Carroll, Jimmy Narain, Gonzalo Hall, Anya Winter. All of these people have been interviewed on the Maverick Show, and we'll link their interviews up in the show notes so you can go check them out if you haven't seen them or you don't know who they are yet because you somehow missed that particular interview, but all of them are going to be there speaking alongside me this year, which is going to be just amazing. And then there are tons of other speakers, many of whom I have never even met and I'm super excited to connect with. So it's an incredible, incredible lineup of speakers. What else can we tell people about what to expect this year if they're able to come to Bonsco? What are the dates? When is the event? And uh, what can people expect this year if they come? So it's happening at the last week of June. So it's uh, June 26th till July 3rd. I think what they can expect when they come, they can expect a lot of new uh, connections with other nomads. So this is a because we bring so many people together and we have so many activities where you can get to know people, you will make a lot of new friends. And a lot of these people, they will travel with you. So it's always interesting for me to see that when people post afterwards where they've met up with other people that they met in Bansko. So it's really an event to make connections. I think this is our main focus. And this is also how you should judge if this is a successful event for you or not. It's like how many new people that you really wanted to meet are you going to meet? 
Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's so important because especially too for folks that are just starting out as nomads, the community building and the social connection and all that stuff is so important. And I have met so many of my podcast guests and so many of my personal friends at nomad events like this, where people come together and they spend a quality week or more at something like this. And then they walk away with really deep connections and friendships, professional connections, personal friendships, and everything else. So I am super excited to attend. So I understand, Matthias, that you might be able to offer a special discount to the Maverick Show listeners. How can folks come to the event this year, attend it, see me and all these other people speak? And what kind of a special offer do you have? And whatever you say, we're going to link it up in the show notes for this episode. Excellent. So for everyone on the Maverick Show, we have a 10% discount on the tickets. It's super easy to get it. When you register your ticket, you just put Maverick Show into the promo code section and it takes 10% off the ticket. Awesome, man. That's super, super great. We are going to link that up in the show notes. We're going to put the link and the code and all that kind of stuff. So folks, you can just go to one place at themaverickshow.com and there you will find the link to that as well as all the other stuff we discussed in the episode, including my interviews with some of the speakers that are going to be at NomadFest Bonsco this year so that you can learn about some of them and get pretty excited because they are a powerhouse group and just super fun, cool crowd very good personal friends of mine. So I'm super excited just for the social aspect of it and reuniting with all of these amazing friends of mine, some of whom I haven't seen in quite a while. So it'll be a really, really awesome event. Matthias, any other tips for folks if they want to come to Bonsco, just as they're thinking about logistics, accommodations, things like that, what should they be thinking about in terms of those types of things? So I think most people that want to come to Nomad Fest should consider to stay here longer, right? So when you look at the logistics of the event, you have to travel here, you have to get a hotel room, and basically for the same cost as coming just to Nomad Fest for a week, you can stay in Bansko for a month. So if you rent an apartment, it's kind of the same cost for one month compared to a hotel for one week. Travel is the same. And then you really have the opportunity to connect either before the event with some people. So we have invited a lot of the speakers already to come in June. So a lot of speakers will be here earlier and then you will have them in a smaller group. And of course, if you stay after the event, you have opportunities to connect more with people that you met during Bansko Nomad Fest. I think that's a great tip. I personally am going to come for a full month to Bonsco, in part also because I like to travel slowly and wherever I go, I like to stay for at least a month. But especially in this case, because there's going to be so many amazing people there. A lot of the speakers that I know are also coming for a month. And so folks can just drop in and get some quality time with the amazing community that is going to be descending on Bonsco. So again, we'll link all that information up in the show notes and you can learn more about the Nomad Fest in Bonsco and how you can attend and get your discount. Matthias, let me ask you one more question and then we'll move into the lightning round. When you think back on all of the travel that you've done, why at this point in your life do you continue to travel? What does travel mean to you? I think my travel pattern has changed a lot. So initially I traveled just to explore the world. In the meantime, I have changed my travel patterns to go to specific places for specific reasons. For example, going to conferences, going to festivals, going to events, or going for activities. And I think this is after you have seen a lot of places, 
I think this really keeps the excitement of travel, but you also need to have a specific reason why you go somewhere. Awesome. I love it. All right, Matthias, at this point, are you ready to move in to the lightning round? I guess we will find out. Let's do it. The lightning round. All right. What is one book that has significantly impacted you over the years you'd most recommend people check out? Okay, there's a super cool book I like. It's called Invisible Women, and it's about the data bias in all the products that we design. It's super interesting to read it. So, for example, how women are much more likely to be injured in a traffic accident because they are smaller than men on average, and cars are just not designed for women. And I think this is similar to what I need to do in the co-working space also, like the height-adjustable chairs and tables. And we are putting now the vegan milk on lower shelf spaces because people can't reach up there. So it's a super interesting book to see where it's like all these things that we just take for granted, but that create a problem for about 50% of the population. It's called Indivisible Women, uh, Data Bias in a World Designed for Men. All right, we're going to link that up in the show notes as well, for sure. Matthias, what is one travel hack that you use that you can recommend to people? So I would recommend when you travel to always use the lounge. And of course, when I still had a corporate job, I had like an airline status card, so I could always use a lounge for free. But you can also just pay to use a lounge when you travel. And this makes airline travel so much more enjoyable if you have a quiet space where you can just have a few drinks before you travel and hang out and have internet and sit down instead of being at the gate with all the bustle that's going there around you. And then in the end, if you buy a drink in an airport restaurant, it's also a lot of money. So I would recommend always buy the lounge pass when you travel. Awesome. If you could have dinner with any one person who's currently alive today that you've never met, who would you choose? So I would actually like to have dinner with Vladimir Putin because I would like to know what he really thinks. Like, why is he really in Ukraine? Who is he as a person? Is he really uh, totally evil? Is he driven by something? Like, what's going on there? So this is a big question in my mind. Is like, why to invade another country? And I would like to ask him that. Knowing everything that you know now, if you could go back in time and give one piece of advice to your 18-year-old self, what would you say to 18-year-old Matthias? I would tell Matthias to not take a job. So don't look for this mainstream dream that you first you study and then you gain experience and get this high-paying corporate job. I think I would tell my 18-year-old self to more explore my entrepreneurial side earlier. Awesome. All right, of all the countries that you have now been to, 100 plus and many places within those countries, what are your top three favorite travel destinations that you would most recommend people check out? So I would uh, recommend Roatan, which is an island off of Honduras, which is great for scuba diving. I think I would also recommend Costa Rica, which is amazing location to do like a road trip through the country and explore the forest, and the rainforest that there, the volcanoes, the beaches. And I would also recommend the Aeolian Islands, which are islands in the coast of Sicily, where you can go sailing. Like it's a group, I don't know how many islands, maybe 10 islands or so. Everyone has like a small restaurant, small hike, beaches, not a lot of tourists. 
I have been to the Aeolian Islands off the coast of Sicily. That is a great recommendation. I actually lived in Sicily for a month because I told you I like to live in places for at least a month. And I was based in Ortigia, which is the old city in Syracusa, which is just enchanting and amazing. And I recommend it to everyone. But in traveling around, also went up to Palermo and the West Coast and Ariche and places like that, and then went out to the Aeolian Islands. And they are truly spectacular. I can remember I went to the island of Lippery and just found this incredible wine shop with this like sommelier who was like this legend on the island. And you're just there and they're just giving you these wines that you've never had before because they're these really local Sicilian wines that you've never tried. And they're just pouring them for you and giving you all of this amazing stuff. I mean, it was a really local and really special experience. All right, Matthias, last question. What are your top three bucket list destinations? These are places you've never been highest on your list you'd most love to see. So I haven't been to the Arctic. I think I would really like to see that, what's going on there with so few people and all the amazing nature. I have bought a Russian Jeep, an Urs, a while ago, like a 40-year-old car. And I would like to travel to Uliani Vostok, where they built these cars to get like all the spare parts uh, to see how we can get this thing back into mint condition. And I think the last location I would really like to see is Mars. So to see like off-planet, what is another planet like? And I feel some of these will stay on the bucket list for a while. Awesome. I love that. All right. Matthias, I want you to let folks know how they can find you, connect with you, follow you on social media, definitely learn more about all the stuff that you're up to. How can they find out about co-working Bonsco and co-living Bonsco and all that good stuff? How do you want people to come into your world? Okay, the good news is that our brands are very descriptive. So for Coworking Bansko, we go to coworkingbansko.com. For Bansko Nomad Fest, the URL is bansko-nomad-fest.com. Uh, Co-Living Bansko, we have a website, co-livingbansko.com. We don't have a lot of content on there yet. We use this for a co-living event that we did last weekend. And very soon we will have information about the real estate project there and how to stay in the co-living space. Also, you can find me very easily. So if you type Matthias Seidler into Google, a lot of matches come up. You can connect with me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Uh, totally up to you. Awesome. We are going to link all of that up in the show notes. So just go to one place at themaverickshow.com. There you will find all the websites, the social media handles, the links to all the books and everything else that we mentioned in this episode. And most importantly, the link and the discount code to come to Bonsco Nomad Fest to hang out with me and all the other amazing people that are going to be there. I'm going to go for a month, so feel free to come and drop in and say hello and meet a lot of really, really amazing people. Matthias, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. This was great. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. All right. Good night, everybody. Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. Learn how Maverick Investor Group can help you by cash-flowing rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets, regardless of where you live. Schedule a free phone consult today 
at themaverickshow.com slash consult. Now you can buy rental properties with tenants and local property management in place so you don't have to be a landlord or a rehabber. To get your questions answered and discuss how Maverick Investor Group can help you meet your real estate investing goals, schedule your free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com forward slash consult. If you like podcasts, you will love audiobooks, and you can get your first one for free at themaverickshow.com slash audiobook. Whether you want the latest best-selling novels or books on investing, business, or travel, try your first audiobook for free at themaverickshow.com forward slash audiobook.